0: This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today.
1: Black holes, the cosmos, space and time travel, science and technology. Brought to you by theoretical physicist, futurist, popularizer of science, and world renowned author, Professor Michio Kaku. And GCNLive.com. This is Science Fantastic.
2: Welcome back to Science Fantastic with Professor Michio Okaku. On Science Fantastic, we profile the amazing, jaw-dropping scientific discoveries which are revolutionizing our world and touching our lives. And in this hour, we're going to throw the lines open because this hour is your hour. It's Open Mic. Open mic on Science Fantastic. And here's what you have to do if you want to get on Science Fantastic and national radio. Get to the phones. Call 612-564-8135. Once again, call 612-564-8135. And you hear a beep at the sound. Leave your name. Call letters to the radio station if you're listening to one, and the city you're calling from, and then ask that question. Make that comment that's always been bothering you. Maybe you're listening to the radio, watching the TV, and something happens. Something happens that catches your attention about science, about medicine, about astronomy, but you're all alone and there's no one to talk to. Well, you can talk to me. You can give me a call by calling 612. 612- 5648135 and take the opportunity to make that comment and make that question and perhaps you can get on science fantastic and once again, go to my website, it's mkaku.org, mkak-u.org. It lists all the New York Times bestsellers that I've written. I've written four New York Times bestsellers. Uh, the latest one is called The Future of Humanity, talking about our future in outer space. You know, the dinosaurs did not have a space program. And that's why the dinosaurs aren't here today. That's right. How come they're not here today? Because they did not have a space program. But we do. And it means that one day we may need an insurance policy. Not anytime soon, but an insurance policy in outer space. And that's why I wrote the book, The Future of Humanity. Because one day, who knows when, we will go to the planets. We will go to the stars. And we will become a spacefaring species. And then in my book, Future of the Mind, I go into inner space. That is the brain, the mind. Did you know that with MRI scans, we can actually see thoughts ricocheting inside the living brain? We can connect the brain to a computer. That's right. You can actually type by thinking about it. Telepathy is not such a far-fetched idea because we can do it now using computers. And telepathy and telekinesis, and recording dreams. That's right. Something that was once considered a Hollywood fantasy, we can now do in the laboratory. You put a human in an MRI scan, scan the brain, put the brain scans into a computer, which then analyzes your dream and prints out a picture. Now, the pictures, I've seen them. They're kind of fuzzy. They're nothing to write home about. But That's because this is just the infancy of a new industry to probe the thinking brain. I talk about this in my book, The Future of the Mind, and then in the future of Physics of the Future, I talk about robots. I talk about artificial intelligence jobs, who will have a job, who will thrive in the future, what jobs are doomed for extinction. So in other words, go to my website, mkaku.org, to find out all that I'm up to. And once again, if you want to get on Science Fantastic, give us a call, 612-564-8135 is the number to call. Okay, well, let's move on now and take the first listener phone call.
3: Hi, my name is Scott Kitching. I'm from Ronsiver, West Virginia. I'm listening to, like, 97.3 out of White Sulphur Springs, and I would like to say that I think that they never talk about the Earth. Uh, actually, maybe having a comet hit the Earth and bringing the actual dna that has made up our our earth for many years and i was thinking maybe the first you know the first one that hit was dinosaurs and then the next one that hit had the uh, other things you know i mean i think that maybe we are an experiment from another uh, galaxy that might have sent it our way for just like a, a way of transporting dna from one solar system to another thank you
2: Well, you raise an interesting possibility. First of all, it's not the dominant thinking within scientists, but there are some scientists who advocate exactly what you're pointing out. First of all, most scientists would say that life started perhaps on the planet Earth, perhaps in the oceans, perhaps near a volcano vent. You have heat vents on the bottom of the ocean which are quite hot, giving us a source of energy and fuel. And that energy was then used to assemble protein molecules and eventually DNA. DNA can replicate itself, so once you have one molecule, you have two then 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, 128, dot, dot, dot. And pretty soon you have cells of DNA which reproduce themselves at the bottom of the ocean. And then later, these cells learn to create photosynthesis and then they begin to populate the oceans. Now, that's normally how it's taught in textbooks. However, there are some renegade scientists who say, nope, Perhaps it came from outer space. And the reason why they say this is very simple. The Earth was created about four and a half billion years ago. Life goes back about 3.5, 3.7 billion years ago. But for the first billion years or so, the Earth was quite hot. There were meteors and comets landing into the oceans, evaporating them. And so there was only a small window, a small window of opportunity between when the bombardment by meteors stopped and the oceans became stable And life began. And some people say that window is so narrow, just a few hundred million years, that it could not have been an accident. It would take billions of years, they say, to create DNA from nothing, and yet DNA got off the ground within a few hundred million years. Aha! They say life came from outer space. Now, the most vocal person who believed in that was a cosmologist, Fred Hoyle. He was perhaps the most famous cosmologist of his time, but he never won the Nobel Prize. He never won the Nobel Prize, some people think, because he had, well, strange ideas, like the fact that perhaps life came from outer space rather than coming indigenously from the planet Earth. And he was also uh, offended by the fact that a woman scientist was denied the Nobel Prize for the discovery of the pulsar. And he wrote about it. Jocelyn Bell, who discovered the pulsar, did not win the Nobel Prize for this discovery. Her thesis advisor won the Nobel Prize. And Fred Hoyle got very angry about this, wrote about it. And some people think that the Nobel Prize Committee deliberately did not give the Nobel Prize to Fred Hoyle because he had these strange ideas about uh, Genesis from outer space, and also about the fact that sexism was perhaps pervasive within the Nobel Prize committee. Well, we don't know for sure. No one was there to witness the event. We're not sure, but again, the dominant theory is that life started on the planet Earth, but you cannot rule out The fact that life may have started from outer space. Another reason for believing that it's possible that life came from outer space is the fact that meteors from Mars have landed on the Earth. That's right. You don't have to go to Mars to do it. Meteors from Mars have landed on the planet Earth. Now, how do we know that? By analyzing meteors we find that some of them have exactly the signature of Martian rock. Well, let's take a short commercial break. And after the break, we're going to talk about, well, did life come from outer space and are you really a Martian? So once again, give us a call at 612-564-8135 and maybe you can get on Science Fantastic.
4: Com. GCNfood.com.
1: Brought to you by Professor Michio Kaku. This is Science Fantastic.
2: Welcome back to Science Fantastic with Professor Michio Kaku. The lines are open. You can always give us a call, and maybe you can get on national radio by calling 612 564 8135. Leave your name. Call Dennis at the radio station if you're listening to one. And the city you're calling from, and then ask that question. Make that comment, and perhaps you can get on Science Fantastic. Well, before the break, we had a very interesting question from somebody who thought that, well, maybe life came from outer space. Well, there are pros and cons to that idea. The dominant theory is still that life started on the planet Earth, perhaps in the oceans, but you can't rule out the fact that DNA may have come from outer space. Now, why do we believe that? First of all, meteors from Mars have been found on the planet Earth. How do we know they're from Mars? Because when we look at the mineral content and the air content within the meteor, we find bingo, a precise match with the chemical composition of Mars and the composition of the atmosphere of Mars. So this forced us to rewrite the astronomy textbooks. We now realize that meteors have slammed into Mars, and shot debris into outer space, some of which then eventually landed on the planet Earth. Now, Mars cooled off before the Earth 4 billion years ago. Some people think that Mars was tropical when the Earth was molten. Therefore, perhaps life started on Mars first, and then perhaps a meteor slammed into Mars and then brought Martian rock to the Earth with, who knows, DNA on it. If this theory is correct, it means that if you want to see a Martian, simply look in a mirror. Now, of course, we don't know whether that theory is true or not, but you can't rule it out. Meaning that, yes, it's possible that DNA could have come from outer space. It can't be ruled out, even though it's not the dominant theory. Okay, let's move on now to the next listener phone call.
3: AFQD Muldoon Alaska and uh, my question is is it possible to damage your eyes by looking into space on an average night I had a relative who had uh, uh, was a macular degeneration and she claimed that she actually felt her eyes get injured while stargazing once uh, is there something that people have to be aware of Is there a relationship? Thank you.
2: Well, off the hand, I would say no. You can't rule things out out of the question, but uh, normally macular degeneration occurs with time. That is, as people age, you get degeneration within organs of the human eye. And um, cataracts, for example, can be accelerated by ultraviolet radiation by getting too many of uh, suntans. And so macular degeneration is a problem, but... But starlight, you can actually measure the amount of radiation coming in from starlight, and it is very small. Your eyes have to dilate in order to collect enough starlight to make an impression. So, of course, it's always good to talk to an ophthalmologist or an optometrist about this. But at first guess, I would tend to doubt that starlight alone would be responsible for macular degeneration, given the fact that it's one of the symptoms of the aging process. Okay, well, let's move on to the next listener phone call.
3: Yes, my name is Andrew Phoenix. I'm calling from College Station, Texas, and I forgot to call letter. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'd like to ask a question concerning 2012, the movie. Is it realistically a way to leave this planet or protect yourself if it ever happens? Thank you. I love your show.
2: Well, um, 2012, as I recall, was a movie about doomsday. And if doomsday were to happen, then, of course, all hell's going to break loose and people want to know, how can I get out of here? And so then we're left with possibilities of, well, what options do we have if doomsday comes? Well, it all depends on the type of doomsday you're talking about. For example, given 10,000 years, we expect there to be another ice age. 10,000 years ago, we had an ice age. And ice ages are more or less periodic, and so we expect another glaciation period to commence about 10,000 years from now. And then what are we going to do? Back then, North America was covered in about a half a mile of ice. Cities will be covered in solid ice. And at that point, some people think, well, 10,000 years from now, we'll have enough technology to leave the planet Earth or go underground and perhaps create heating units which will keep us warm and cozy underground. So that's one possibility. Another possibility is to go into outer space and orbit, orbit the planet Earth. But of course, these ice ages go on for thousands of years. And who wants to live in a space station for thousands of years? And so there are some people who say that either we should go underground and have artificial heat, underground to keep us nice and warm and cozy, or we should go into outer space. Another possibility, of course, is if a doomsday rock were to come and hit the earth, it wouldn't take much to destroy life on the earth. An object just six miles across or so slammed into the Yucatan of Mexico 65 million years ago and pretty much wiped out the dinosaurs. Now, some people then believe that if we are hit by a rock from outer space, we should go into outer space and perhaps go to places like Mars. Now, of course, we're not talking about moving the entire population of the planet Earth to Mars. That would be too much. However, Elon Musk has stated that he foresees a time when a million people, a million people could live on the red planet, And he even worked out the mathematics. For example, he has a huge rocket on the drawing board. It's called the BFR rocket. B for big, R for rocket, and F for your imagination. Well, the BFR would be big enough, he says, to shoot maybe uh, several hundred, maybe a thousand, calling this to the Red Planet. And if you have enough of these missions, perhaps you can eventually get a colony of a million people on the Red Planet, which would be self-sustaining. And then we have Jeff Bezos, richest man on the Earth, founder of Amazon.com. Jeff Bezos even has a spaceport in Texas, where he hopes to launch rockets, which will eventually create a habitat for humans in outer space. He also thinks that perhaps a million people will eventually live in outer space, and work in outer space, and his long-term goal is to make the Earth into a garden. So the earth becomes a garden, and all the heavy industry is moved into outer space. So all the pollution and all the nastiness and toxic chemicals gets moved into outer space, and the earth itself becomes a park or a gigantic garden. And then you have some people who believe that perhaps we should go to the stars. Now in my book, The Future of Humanity, I give you the details of what it would take to build a starship. Now, of course, no one is saying that we're going to build a starship anytime soon. Stephen Hawking, my colleague, believed that we should send postage stamps starships to the nearby stars, and that could be done within a matter of decades. But it may take centuries centuries to create a starship that that you would see on Star Trek. A star Trek containing hundreds of people capable of creating a mission to create a colony in a distant star system. So again, there's no law of physics saying that we can't do it. It's just that it may take a few centuries before we have that capability of reaching for the stars. Okay, let's move on now to the next listener phone call. Hello,
7: Professor. This is Scott in Bertram, Minnesota. I'm listening to you on Talk Stream Live. I'm wondering why we don't harvest the great pressures at the bottom of our ocean. Uh, it would be like harvesting gravity. Uh, is there an energy exchange problem there uh, getting, getting those pressures to the surface? Uh, just, just wondering if you have any ideas. Thank you.
2: Well, many people have thought about mining the oceans somehow, but there are practical problems. The Navy, for example. Oh, by the way, let's take a short commercial break. And after the break, we'll talk about mining the oceans for heat and for energy. Once again, you are listening to Science Fantastic. Give us a call. The hotline number is 612. Five six four eight one three five, and maybe you can get on Science Fantastic. Give us a call.
5: Thank you for listening to GCN.
2: Visit GCNLive.com today.
7: LSA news update. Three people were killed Thursday night when a small plane crashed into a mobile home park along the Florida Gulf Coast. The Bayside Waters mobile home park in Clearwater witnessed the fatalities, with two people on the ground also dying in that crash. Flight records from FlightAware indicate the single-engine Beechcraft, which had departed from Vero Beach on the Atlantic coast, was headed to St. Petersburg. House Republicans are looking into allegations of federal fund misuse by the Georgia prosecutor handling former President Trump's election interference case. The House Judiciary Committee has issued a subpoena to Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis requesting documents concerning those funds. In Pennsylvania, Groundhog Punxsutawney Phil is predicting an early spring as he did not see his shadow. This means there won't be six more weeks of winter. Despite suggestions from PETA to replace the Groundhog Day display with a coin flip, the traditional forecast went on as planned. John Schaefer, USA News.
8: Yours free at MySolarBackup.com.
9: Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust?
1: to you by Professor Michio Kaku. This is Science Fantastic.
2: Welcome back to Science Fantastic with Professor Michio Kaku. Give us a call if you want to get on National Radio. The number to call is 612-564-8135. Leave your name, call later to the radio station and the city you're calling from and ask that question. Make that comment and perhaps your thoughts will be heard on national radio. And also, once again, go to my website, mkaku.org, M-K-A-K-U to find out what I'm up to. On Facebook, we have 3 million fans on Facebook. On Twitter, we have 650,000 fans on Twitter. So give us a call and find out what all the excitement is about. Well, before the break, we had a call coming in about the oceans. Is it possible somehow to harvest the energy or the pressures in the oceans? Well, yes and no. First of all, the Navy, the U.S. Navy, once had an idea to create a perpetual motion machine out of the oceans. First of all, there is a temperature difference as you go down into the ocean depths. It gets colder down there. And whenever you have a temperature difference you can extract energy from that temperature difference and create mechanical motion. You get this from what is called the second law of thermodynamics. Every time you have a difference in temperature from T1 to T2, you can extract mechanical energy from that difference. That's how motors work, and that's how refrigerators and many of our appliances work using the second law of thermodynamics. So here's what the Navy thought about. Let's say I have a tube, a tube that goes into the ocean. It's cold on the bottom, warm on the top, which means that water then circulates circulates in the tube, and you have a temperature difference. And whenever you have a temperature difference, you can extract mechanical energy from that to propel your engines, and thereby you would have a perpetual motion machine. Well, on paper it sounds great, but in practice they're not very efficient. And they're quite awkward to have this very long tube going from the ocean depths to the top of the oceans. So the Navy never really took this idea that seriously. Also, you have another problem, and that is even if you have water under tremendous pressures at the bottom of the ocean, as soon as you bring it up to the surface, the pressure goes to normal. And so you lose whatever pressure you have. And so trying to use pressure alone to create energy from the oceans, well, it doesn't work. But again, people have tried to extract energy from the oceans, but so far no one has found a reliable way of doing it better than an ordinary oil-fired engine. Okay, let's move on to the next listener phone call.
1: Okay, my name is Glenn Thomas. I'm calling from Oysterville, Washington. I'm listening to 1030 AM I-501 News Radio. Question I have. Some years ago I heard about something called conservation of information. It was bandied about as being something coming out of a quantum mechanics, and it was used in the context of what happens to whatever information was contained in a, something falling into a black hole. My question is, I'm not sure what is meant by information that's being conserved. When physicists talk about conservation of information, exactly what is it uh, they're talking about conserving?
2: Okay, well, you ask a question that was the center of a heated debate between Stephen Hawking and rival physicists, And we'll talk about that after the break. So after the break, we'll talk about black holes. What happens if you fall into a black hole? And is information lost permanently when you fall into a black hole? And give us a call. The hotline number is 612-564-8135. And maybe you can get on Science Fantastic. Give us a call.
10: That's 818-984-6100. Shop
0: Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy.
1: This is Science Fantastic.
2: Welcome back to Science Fantastic with Professor Michio Kaku. The lines are open. That's right, it's Open Mic on Science Fantastic. Give us a call at 612-564-8135. Leave your name, call letter to the radio station and the city you're calling from and then ask that question. Make that comment that's always been bothering you, make that question and perhaps you can get on the national radio. But before the break, we had a question about a controversy which is still ongoing among physicists. And that is, what happens if you throw the encyclopedia into a black hole? Is the information in that encyclopedia lost forever? Or is it somehow preserved? Well, Stephen Hawking, the late cosmologist, said that information is lost permanently. Sorry about that. You throw the encyclopedia into a black hole, and it never comes out. It's lost forever. However, other physicists, myself included, believe in what is called the quantum theory, and that theory comes out of atomic physics. And in atomic physics, information is never lost so even if you have the Encyclopedia Britannica and you burn it, the information is still encoded in the ashes. So that if you could recreate molecule for molecule, somehow recreate molecule for molecule the burning of the Encyclopedia Britannica, you could recreate recreate the Encyclopedia from ash. Sounds incredible, but that's the way physics goes. And that's called quantum mechanics. It works at the atomic level, and we are made out of atoms. So in principle, you can retrieve the information of a burnt encyclopedia. But, Stephen Hawking said, that fails for black holes. Well, that earned the ire of many quantum physicists who said, nope, quantum mechanics must prevail, so information is hidden hidden someplace when you throw the encyclopedia into a black hole. Well, Stephen Hawking finally admitted he was wrong. Quantum mechanics, the highest version of quantum mechanics is called string theory, which is what I do for a living. And in string theory, information is never lost, even in a black hole. So where did the information go once you throw the encyclopedia into a black hole? Well, it turns out that black holes are not really black. They're gray. In fact, that was Stephen Hawking's big contribution to physics, that he showed that because of quantum mechanics... You cannot have a perfectly black, black hole that eats up everything. Something's got to be left over that oozes out slowly called Hawking radiation. So Hawking radiation is a byproduct of quantum mechanics. So the next step would be that somehow the encyclopedia is encoded in the Hawking radiation. And Hawking finally admitted that, well, he was wrong. It turns out that, most physicists believe this, that as Hawking radiation slowly oozes out from a black hole, so the black hole becomes gray, not black, the information of the encyclopedia is encoded encoded in slight irregularities in this radiation. So it's ironic. It's ironic that Hawking radiation was used to disprove Hawking. So we do believe in Hawking radiation. That's the quantum effect but we also believe that information is never lost, because that's also a quantum effect, and Hawking, to his credit, said he was wrong. Quantum mechanics wins, and as I mentioned, the highest version of quantum mechanics is string theory, and that's what I do for a living. In fact, I'm the co-founder of string field theory, which is one of the main branches of string theory. Okay, well, let's move on now to the next listener phone call.
3: Hi, this is Brenda from WSPA in Fort Payne, Alabama. When I suddenly think of someone that I haven't seen in years, are
2: they also thinking of me at the same time? Thank you. Well, you ask a very interesting question about synchronicity. Uh, I've had that experience when you think of somebody, and then the phone rings, and there they are. Or you think of somebody, and you say, I'm thinking about somebody today, and then you meet them later, and they say, well, gee, I was thinking about you, too, at the same time. And then you realize, gee, that's strange. What is the probability? What's the probability that I'm thinking about somebody, and the phone rings right at that moment, or the probability that somebody will be thinking about me when I'm thinking about them? Well, we'll try to answer that question after the break. Once again, you are listening to Science Fantastic with Professor Michio Kaku. Give us a call at six one two five six four eight one three five, and we'll talk about something that all of us have experienced: Are we psychic?
9: next drive. now you want to try that on television well you see radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination advertising your business
7: with gcn is simple effective and more affordable than you might think visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info take your business to the next level hi this is
5: dr joel wallach the mineral doctor you've heard me talk about 90 for life for years 60 minerals 16 vitamins 12 amino acids two fatty acids you may not know this that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for life too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422.
1: To you by Professor Michio Kaku. This is Science Fantastic.
2: Welcome back to Science Fantastic with Professor Michio Kaku. The lines are open. Just give us a call at 612-564-8135. Leave your name, call later to the radio station and the city you're calling from, and then Ask that question. Make that comment. And perhaps your thoughts will be heard on national radio. Well, before the break, we had a call about something that I think all of us have experienced in some form or other in the past. And that's called synchronicity. And that is, you're thinking about somebody, the phone rings, and bingo, there they are. Now, what's the probability? What's the probability that of all the people you're thinking about, of all the times for a phone ring and There it is. It's magic. And then you think to yourself, I'm psychic. I'm psychic. Or you're thinking about somebody, and somebody else you meet later says, Yeah, I was thinking about you at the same time you were thinking about me. What's the probability? Well, it turns out the scientists have actually studied this effect because it has to deal with our memory. It turns out that we as human beings forget most of what comes at us because it's irrelevant, not important. Otherwise our brains will be cluttered, cluttered with billions and billions of irrelevant things that mean nothing to us. So when the phone rings and it's somebody that we're not thinking about, we forget about it. It doesn't affect us because it's one more piece of extraneous information that we don't need to clutter ourselves with. But when somebody calls us that we were thinking about, bingo, We say to ourselves, magic, I'm psychic, I'm psychic. I was thinking about that person, and he calls. What's the probability of that happening? Well, it turns out that the brain remembers the hits and forgets the misses. Now, next time you see a psychic on television, mind reading, or a psychic that is talking to dead people, watch how they do it. They ask lots of questions. They get lots of misses, but you forget the misses. That's the nature of memory. Memory forgets the unimportant uh, misses, but only remembers the hits. So as soon as a hit is made, you say, ah, the guy's a mind reader. Ah, he's psychic. He's talking to dead people. That's how you do it. Because memory has to be very conservative, so it throws away most of what is unnecessary and only remembers the hits and forgets the misses. And that's how psychics work. Next time you see a psychic reading, notice that most of the questions go are yield uh, mistakes, and the ones that yield hits, those are the ones you remember. That's the nature of memory. Okay, well, let's move on to the next listener phone call.
3: Hello, Dr. Kaku. Albert here in San Jose, California. I love your show on YouTube. Uh, That's where I catch it. Say, listen, um, I want to ask you, mysterious photos of Mars, which seem to be artifacts of artificially made things that have been spotted here and there,
10: or like this crab recessed in a rock, why in the heck can't they turn that rover around and go back to it and do an inspection on these mysterious artifacts? You know, that's one thing I'm not too uh clear about. Why don't they go investigate these things? Thanks, and I love your show. Thanks so much, Dr. Kaku. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
2: Well, thank you, and let's talk a little bit about Mars, because on Science Fantastic, we've had the people on the Mars rover um, expeditions on the radio show talking about these things, and I asked them that very same question. I said, look, you make a living looking at Mars, looking at the photographs of the Mars rovers. Some people claim that there are even rock formations that look artificial, And so why don't you investigate these things and have a press conference and announce these things? And they tell me an answer, which is quite unusual. Their answer is they would love to do it. They would love to do it because they would be famous. They would get grant money. Their names would be in newspapers across the country, and they could get as much grant money as they want if they find a formation on Mars that is obviously created by an intelligence. They'd love it. But, they say, no matter how hard they try, they have not found anything that looks like it was created by an art by a life form. Sorry about that. Now, there is something about the human brain's understanding of memory and what it looks at. It turns out that our ancestors were quite timid. Every time they thought they saw something in the forest, like rustling leaves, the alarm bells went off. And the brain says, there's a tiger, there's a lion hiding in the bushes, when actually there's nothing at all. This means that we see things that are not there, because it's good for us. It was good for our evolution. When you look at the sky, look at the clouds, you can't help it but see strange objects in the clouds. You see Disney characters, you see animals, you see all sorts of things in the clouds. You can't help it. Your brain forces upon you the fact that it sees familiar objects in clouds, even though, of course, there's nobody up there. Now, why is that? Because, for the most part, when you see rustling of the leaves in the forest, there's nothing there. It's just the wind. Your brain says, maybe it's a tiger, maybe it's a lion, but there's nothing there. Now, why does your brain do that? Why does your brain fool you? Because nine times out of ten, there's nothing there. But one time out of ten, there is a tiger. There is a lion, and it saves your butt. It saves your life. You run like crazy. So, in other words, our ancestors were timid. They were timid, and that's why they had children who eventually became us. However, our ancestors that were not timid, they didn't have this ability, and the rustling of the leaves meant just rustling of the leaves, one time out of ten, they got eaten up by a tiger. So, in other words, it's good for us see things that are not there, including photos of things on Mars. Okay, well let's take a short commercial break and after the break we're going to continue with Science Fantastic. Give us a call at 612-564-8135 and ask that question that you've always wanted to ask.
3: These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay, join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1 877 928 8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X T E N D O V I T E.com. Extend your life with
1: Extendivite. I'm getting there.